Hello and welcome to Don't Wait to Write. I'm Amber Petty, and today we're learning. So Fridays are the day where I will talk through common writer questions, things my students ask all the time, or share some part of my story that might be helpful to you. If you have a question for the podcast, I will answer it. So please email me any questions at amber at amberpetty.com. I will answer every question I get to you personally, and I might use it on the podcast. Now today, since it's our first learning session, I thought I would talk a little bit about my background and, of course, how that helps you. Don't worry, I'm not going to just be blathering on about how cool I am, because that would be a short podcast. But I wanted to talk about how I got started with writing, because every writer's start tends to be very different. And in particular, I wanted to talk about how Snooky got me to the New York Times. So when I was a little girl, all I wanted to do was be a writer. No, that's not true at all. I wanted to be an actor. I did a play when I was six in my neighbor's driveway, and I wanted to be an actor ever since. And that's what I did. I took dance classes, singing classes, because it was musical theater, of course, and devoted my whole life to that for many years. I moved to New York when I was 17, went to acting school, auditioned for ah, disappointing bad projects mostly, but did get some work went to uh, the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater, performed there on house teams and the touring company, and eventually got into an off-Broadway show, which was a very prestigious parody of Fifty Shades of Grey. And yes, I did play the lead, Anastasia Steele. Uh, Have you fainted? Have you fainted with the shock of hearing me so intimately, such a famous, important person? I hope you haven't. So I did that. But as I was acting and getting closer and then into my 30s, I found that the life of making no money all the time and having people say no to you because you have a weird face shape or your hair's the wrong color, that got old. So I moved to LA. And when I moved to LA, I decided I don't want to have a billion side jobs anymore. I don't want to have to work a shift at a theater. I don't want to do stuff that's going to get in the way of auditioning. The whole reason I'm here. So I started to try freelance writing. My husband had freelance written a few years ago, though he wasn't really doing it too much anymore. And I had a friend of a friend of a friend who was a freelance writer. Now, when I decided to be a freelance writer, I didn't have a writing background. I'd written sketches and I'd written a cabaret show. So very in-demand skills, but I didn't have a journalism degree or an English degree. I had a lot of experience in improv and a degree in theater, which is like a degree in who gives a fuck from who cares. So I didn't have any background really to speak of, and I was... 30, almost 31 when I got started. But I just thought, hey, it's worth a try. If I can not work 10,000 jobs and just do this from home, it's worth going for. And in case you're wondering if I had a, you know, wealthy parents or a rich husband, that is a very valid question. And no, I was on unemployment and my husband made about $2,000 a month 
from a very, very part-time copywriting job. So that's where I was when I started. So the first thing I did was I wrote up a spec piece. I just wrote on a Word doc an article about six of the worst video game movies of all time. Because I figured I'd want to write about entertainment and TV, things like that. So I wrote that up and then applied to jobs mostly on Craigslist. I would ask anybody in my circles about writing opportunities. So my husband had some friends that had done freelance writing. I reached out to them if they had any tips or knew of anybody that needed something. If there was something, somebody I tangentially knew, I reached out to them. And there were lots of times I didn't hear back, but sometimes I did. One of those people I reached out to, the IFC blog, happened to need people. So I got to write for them occasionally. At first, once a month. So $100 a month for me. I got a job off Craigslist writing knitting pattern descriptions, which I was very excited to get, and, and I'm still proud of it, weirdly. So I got to do that illustrious work. And from checking in with people, seeing if editors needed anything, I got a piece in Thrillist. Now, during this time, I was gaining confidence, but this was still pretty sporadic work in the realm of one to $500 a month. And I still had a thing in my head that my own ideas just weren't good enough, or I just had to spend so much time on these articles because if I didn't, there was just no way it would be up to par. So after my piece came out in Thrillist, I put it on LinkedIn and lo and behold, somebody reached out to me for a job. It was a place that handled blogs for various celebrities. And when I use the word celebrity, let's go ahead and put a D or an E or an F list in front of that. But they wrote for a bunch of different blogs. And I could write blog posts for them for the fine price of $20 a blog. At the time, I was thrilled because I could write almost as much as I wanted. And I needed cash. So I was happy to do it. One of the biggest blogs I worked for was Snooki's blog. Yes, Snooki from the Jersey Shore had her own blog as kind of a rebrand into more of a motherhood lifestyle, that kind of situation. So I would write about crafts to do with toddlers or things for the holidays or pickles. She always requested stuff about pickles. So I wrote, hey, a pickle place opened up. Oh, look at this pickle recipe. A lot of stuff about pickles. Now, writing articles for $20 an article for the Jersey Shore cast is not anybody's dream. It just isn't. But that job helped me so much. Because in that job, I had to start pitching my own ideas. Up to this point, I just was lucky and got either a couple of assignments or I was applying to jobs, you know, where they were giving me direct things to do. So when they first asked me to pitch, I thought, nope, no way, I can't do that. Immediately, as though I couldn't possibly have an idea good enough to evolve to the heights of Snooky. So thankfully, I gave that thought a second look and went, wait, I haven't even tried. I haven't even tried doing that. So, okay, let me pitch some ideas. Thankfully, a lot of them got picked up. And because I had to write a lot and I had to write fast, I didn't have time to second guess everything or put it through the perfectionist filter that I usually put on everything I did. I had to just kind of write it, make sure it was 
clean and make sense and, and send it in. And I was shocked that the editors liked it. They weren't going, oh, this is some half-ass bullshit. What's wrong with you? No, they're like, oh, thank you so much. This is great. And that helped me learn that as a perfectionist, my bar for what's good enough was very wrong. And that not everything has to be bleeding on the page or my heart and soul. Sometimes it just has to be having fun, being conversational, and giving people some new pickle recipe ideas. And as my pitches started getting picked up and my articles performed well, I got used to working quickly and my confidence improved. As I saw things go well, I started to think, hey, I bet I could get paid more than $20 an article and started aiming for higher things, pitching bigger ideas and gaining the confidence that I knew I had a chance at all of that. If it hadn't been for the Snooky job, I would have been just swathed in doubt for a much, much longer time. And I know for sure, I never would have reached out cold to the New York Times. So fast forward about five-ish years, I didn't have to write for Snooky anymore. I wound up writing for a bunch of places. I even got copywriting jobs, the whole nine. And I started teaching freelance writing to people. And I decided, you know what? I've always wanted to be in the New York Times. I'm going to do it. Now, I'd pitched them before, and one of the pitches was embarrassing, frankly. <laughs> the, the editor was so nice and kind of gave me these pitch guidelines afterwards. She was very kind about it. She could have said, this is, this is nonsense, Rambles. No, thank you. But she gave me some actual helpful hints, and that was very much appreciated. So I'd pitched a couple times and not heard anything back. But that was a while ago, and hey, we all have to start again. And as I first set this goal for myself to write for the New York Times, my first thought was, oh, you're just not fancy enough. You're not fancy enough for this. This is a fancy place for fancy people. You don't have a cool degree or anything. Why are you right? Why would you do this? My inner critic got real whiny. Anyway, so I, I was like, I'm not fancy enough. And I had to remind myself, it doesn't matter. It is more important to just have an idea, state it specifically, and have some personality. And if they say no a million times, that's okay. I'll try a million more times. So I sent in a few pitches and one of them got in. And again, I want to reiterate, this is cold. It's not like the New York Times was knocking down my door. They don't know who I am. They still don't know who I am. They don't care. But I saw they had a column called Comfort Viewing in the TV section, and I decided to pitch an idea for that. So I sent it. The editor, again, did not ask me to, but I sent an idea to the TV editor, and it got picked up. And this idea was not a fancy idea. It was really just me talking about crying over a British TV show and why I thought everybody should watch it. And in my pitch, I was very much myself. I had my voice and personality tailored a little bit to how those kinds of articles went in the New York Times, but I didn't have to professionalize or fancy up my words. I decided it would just make my life easier if they say yes to me as opposed to me pretending to be somebody I'm not. And it worked out. So now I have a byline in the New York Times, and that wouldn't have happened if I didn't start with Snooky's blog.
So as you're pursuing writing, don't write off the little things. Now, I'm not telling you you have to get a $20 an article job. For some people, that will be great and really helpful. For other people, you're way beyond that. And it'll just make you mad and, and it'll be annoying for all. You don't need to do that. But when you have an idea you really want to put down, write it and pitch it. No matter what you think might happen, even if it ends up just on your Medium page or your blog, little sparks can come from sharing your work. I never would have expected that Snooki's blog turned a corner on my life, but it really did. So anything that just begins your forward momentum is worth a try. And I didn't stay at that job for long. It was maybe six months. I got tired of writing 25 articles a week and left for better things. So you can always leave, you can always change, but at least by giving your ideas a try, you're moving forward. All right, so that's it for today. If you have questions, please email them to me at amber at amberpetty.com. You can follow me at Amber and Petty on Instagram, but most importantly, I have a free thing for you. If you want 250 places that pay for writing, including the New York Times, just sign up at my website at amberpetty.com slash 250. That's 250. This is a free resource that gets updated all the time that you can use for all your writing needs. So grab that bookmark it and you'll also get my newsletter where I send out writing jobs and writing tips twice a week. People have gotten jobs just from reading that free newsletter, so I highly recommend it. And lastly, there's a contest. Yay! So if you want to try to win $100, leave a five-star review and you'll then be eligible for a $100 gift card. The gift card is good for whatever place you want. So thank you so much for listening. Be sure to tell a writer friend about the podcast, and I can't wait to see what you write. <laughs>